Well, I think I'm going to record a podcast because I've been sending, I'm sending my friends these long voice messages because text isn't enough anymore. (laughs) So like I have 9, 10, 11 minutes of recorded voice and okay, I'll make a podcast. Although I don't feel like it overwhelmingly, but um, just a few kind of, I guess, thoughts on the, the question of AI, basically. So the book came out actually last month now, uh, pretty much almost exactly a month ago on April 6th. And that was a big change. There's much, much, much media attention from many different places, many different venues, different corners of the media. And so pretty much every every day, it's not unusual for me to get an email for an interview request somewhere in the UK, some big major conservative outlet like Michael Medved, Michael Medved Show, various tech blogs and magazines, um, and just basically a ton of attention. I When I get on the web and I get on my LinkedIn now, it's not uncommon for me at all to see some huge discussion about my book by someone that I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's very interesting. And it's been selling well. The rankings go up and down and you can't play that game forever or you'll go crazy. But you can't play the game of looking at them all the time because they're updated hourly. So it's just a... it's. <laughs> They've been they've been as low as or as high as eleven thousand out of four point five million, which is good. That means it's selling a lot, just every, just a lot. And they've been it's been, you know, it's pretty much never over, never under fifty thousand, and it's pretty it sits pretty consistently now, between fifteen and twenty five thousand rankings. So that's good. It's the most popular book. Um, in its category, it's one of the top five, six popular books consistently, just day in and day out for a month, in actually multiple categories. So that's one. But I haven't, I've been dealing with. So I want to say a few things about the question of AI. So, and I just want to, this is going to be one of these kind of pet peeves podcasts. Things that, things where I think people kind of get me wrong and things that, discussions and ideas and commentary that I think other people just have wrong. So I can start with this. One thing is that I'm making this argument in the myth, the myth of artificial intelligence, the book, I'm making this argument that effectively, I don't know what a mind is and I know what a machine is. And here's what I know about the machine. And here's, here's a framework to look at this that we actually use as computer scientists, as developers, we actually are constantly involved with questions of inference, because if you're trying to make something quote unquote smart, then your blueprints for whatever the heck you're doing are going to involve inference. They just are. Um, And so if you, unlike the question of consciousness, where we just don't have any traction on that at all, we just We just don't know, Descartes famously said that a person walking down the street appears as if a mechanical contraption 
to us. In other words, we don't even know that other people are conscious. That was a weird thing for Descartes to say, but in a kind of strict logical sense, he's correct, right? You don't see consciousness. And so we don't, there's a, philo- there's a philosophical mystery about consciousness that to import that, right? Like to march that into the center of the AI debate is just foolish because it's, it's going to allow all the crazies to think they have a toehold at talking about a very technical subject, right? Like, like anybody has an opinion about consciousness or has an opinion about AI having mind and coming alive and these kinds of ideas. And like this kind of stuff is the problem with the debate, right? It's not going to be possible to really say anything interesting or at the end of the day, really truthful, except for just by coincidence, if you're stuck in that mode. So I don't want to do that. And what I find is, is that people, there's a certain group of people that are typically on the political right. And I have sympathies with the political right, by the way. I'm not going to make any excuses about that. However, I don't consider myself to just be on the right. I don't think it's that simple for, for me, but that, that's a subject of another, that, like that can be treated in other discussion. But there, there are people that are just very obviously on the political right. They make no attempts to disguise that fact. And they take the book, and I just saw this, and I won't name any names, but they take the book, effectively, my book, The Myth, and they use it to make this, their points, their, their favorite points that they've been making for as long as they can remember making any points, that minds are different than machines. Minds are different from machines because we have souls, and so the, roughly speaking, the chain of reasoning is, is that we aren't just biological stuff. We're actually, we have a soul, and the soul is a metaphysical thing. It's a, it's a, it's a beyond physical thing. That's what metaphysical means, right? And so if we have a soul, that's the same thing. as like the soul, whatever the soul is, it's bound up importantly with what it means to be a person. And so the fact that we can think, that we can draw conclusions, that we have consciousness, like that whole kind of panoply of issues in the philosophy of mind, that's going to be the soul. The soul is in some sense, is, is, immater- is immaterial. Like I said, it's, it's a metaphysical concept and it's a non-physical concept. And if you have, if you're, and inherent in a Western religion, then it, you then the soul exists in heaven beyond the death of the body and in you know forever in perpetuity for as long as or in hell I suppose by the way or in purgatory. Um. So like okay so that so then so so like I make it I make an argument about inference saying basically we don't have any idea as scientists how to do these things and so we should be skeptical that we're on a path to age to general intelligence. And then that kind of that, those comments are consistent with, but not the same as this metaphysical debate that's been going on for, for time immemorial. And I get sort of sucked into that camp. And I just saw this happen actually this evening somewhere. And I'm happy by the way, for them to promote my book, just as long as I have an opportunity to make the key distinctions that I'm making here. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's fine, as long as I have a chance to make my points. They can promote it for their own ends. I don't really care, because the book stands on its own. And anyone can read it, 
and disagree with it, agree with it, or use it to make points that I don't wish to make. That's fine. That's your business. Go ahead. Knock yourself out, right? But I just, I want to be able to clarify. That's all. So, I mean, I guess that's the first thing I want to say in the podcast. The second thing is that I have, there are people who I work with and who I know, friends and colleagues, who also seem to get wrong what I'm trying to say frequently as well. When I went, so, and this gets a little more tricky. When I say that I want to develop a general intelligence, what I'm saying, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot of caveats to that. I mean, on the one hand, if it were sort of scientifically possible to make a mind, like if, it, if in fact we can develop a really, uh, you know, flexible, reasoning or inference, I should say, capability along the lines of Piercean abduction, Persian abduction. Like if it's possible to do that, then I'm not the one who wants to be looking the other way. Like I want to be the one who sees the, the dots connected, right? Like I want to be on the Einstein team if the Einstein team can reasonably find success, right? If it's possible to do that. Right now, there's such a big mystery. And when you kind of really understand the problem, See, the problem is that what, what the book, if you read the book, I think what, one thing I hope the book does is, is when you finish reading the book, you go, well, yeah, it's a mystery. And it's the kind of mystery that makes us skeptical, quite frankly, of victory, right? It's a mystery. It's, it's sort of like if you, if you look into cold fusion, and these aren't perfect, perfectly analogous. There are differences. And I think in some sense, the AI question might even be more theoretically mystifying than the cold fusion question. But it's for the for purposes here. If you look into, if the more you know about the the prospects and the difficulties in in right in partic- particle state and quantum physics and all this other stuff for for getting nu- nuclear fusion reactions at relatively normal temperatures, in other words, cold fusion. The more you know in general about that whole problem, that whole idea the more skeptical you get, not less, right? And I think, so in that sense, they're analogous in the sense that the more you really know about AI and how it works under the hood, the more, like, if you're functioning correctly, in other words, if you're thinking about it correctly and you don't have an ax to grind or preconceived notions, you're just thinking about it as a problem to solve, you're going to see that it's a very difficult problem indeed. And the mystery is... It's very, very, it's a very natural move to say that that's such a mystery that we should stop saying that we're going to get there eventually at all. In other words, we don't have to say that we will never get there, but we should stop saying that it makes sense to talk about when at all. Like we just really don't know. And one of the very obvious consideration, one of the very obvious possibilities is that uh, it, you know, it's just not a, fee- it's not a well-defined problem. Like we can't get from a Turing machine to a mind and it might just be that minds still are. This is what drives my conservative friends crazy. Like it could be that minds still just are whatever it is in the brain, right? That could just be the case, but it turns out that a Turing machine, which is the formalism behind the computer program, right? It, tra- it could turn out that a Turing machine just isn't, isn't the right kind of thing to get the mind stuff, right? So it just could be apples and oranges forever there. Yeah, just in the same sense that 100 years ago it might have been, it could, we now probably think it's apples and oranges that a telegraph, 
a system for sending telegraphs or something is a good model of the mind. Or in the 19th century when Freud, you know, you know the, the, the phrase, you need to blow off some steam, that came from an actual serious discussion that scientists and, and intellectuals were having in the, in the mid-19th century when the steam engine was rising in, it was basically the exploding onto the scene in the industrial in the midst of the industrial revolution and so steam was this amazing thing and there were pumps and pulleys and pressures and it could push huge amounts of weight over mountain ranges and so steam had this kind of magical quality in the mid 19th century and people would say like the mind is basically just like this prepper pressure apparatus and when we're thinking we're kind of like the steam engine working and if we're thinking really hard and we're under stress, then it's like the, the steam engine pulling up a mountaintop, you know. And, uh, and so, and, right, so you need to let off some steam. And so, like, but we don't really take that seriously as like, yeah, and that's what the mind really is. But no, nobody's really going to go down that road anymore. And it could be in 100 years. That's just what we think about Turing machines or computers. Like, wow, that's funny that we thought that. Because it's entirely silly in the same, roughly in the same sense that we now look back and see the steam analogy as just being silly, silly, silly. So, so, okay. So that's what I mean, but I don't know. I mean that we should stop talking as if we do know, and we should understand that. Look, and I don't even know if it's a long road. That's the other thing. But what we're talking about is an unknown in the sense of non-predictability. So the non-predictability part of this is very important. It like, you can't know how long it's going to take to innovate something. Because you don't know what the innovation consists of, right? So if you don't have the blueprint, you don't know how long it's going to take to make the blueprint because it's, you don't, there's not, it's a blank page. And so you don't know if the blueprint is possible in the space of different blueprints and possibilities, and you don't know how long it will take to scribble it out. If you did know, you could just scribble it. This is a point that Popper made originally, um, the famous philosopher of science, tw early 20th century philosopher of science, Karl Popper said this about the wheel. Like even if somebody came and asked some ancient person, we need to invent a better thing. Let's call it a wheel. Well, what is it? Well, it's a way for us to pull rocks across these plain, these hot desert plains. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about, we have the sled though. Well, yeah, but we keep, people keep dying doing that because it's, really, really hot and pulling a sled full of giant granite stones across desert surface seems to be kind of a crappy thing for their health. And so we, yeah, we've gone through a lot of slaves here. So we need to, something called a wheel. That will be better. Oh, what is it? Well, I have no idea. That's what I asked you to do. You've got to make it. Okay. But I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's round and it would relieve some of the, it would vastly reduce the friction between the surface of the sled, the bottom surface of the sled and the surface of the ground and so on. It looks a little bit like this. We can make it originally out of wood. It's like, okay, well then you just invented the wheel. Like that's it. There's your innovation, right? So, and that's why you can't, that sounds fantastic, right? But the point is, is that you can't invent something that you don't know about. So you can't predict invention. Let me say this again. You cannot predict invention. <laughs> you can extrapolate from known quantities. You can extrapolate that we will have cars 
that look basically like the cars we have now, but they'll be more fuel efficient in 20 years or something. Like that's called extrapolation. And that's something that we clearly do do and can do. You can't predict though invention or innovation. And because that's why it's a, it's a, it's a fundamental and unknown. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a relative, but an absolute unknown. You don't know. And so um, that's what the situation is with AI. Now, how that bears on the question of metaphysics, hell if I know. I don't know. My sense is that it's a silly idea, idea to say that the mind is a computer. In the same, roughly the same sense as to say it's a steam engine or something. It's just too easy. It's like that's, the, that's like the idea you come up with when you're either too excited or too tired and you can't Right. You're, you're just no, you're no longer open to the, the mystery and you go, well, well, what about that? And people like to do that. And generally speaking, people like to do that because people like to have answers to questions. And that fits a narrative basically that I talk about this in the book as well. There's a narrative that comes out of a certain sector of culture of, of technocrats, basically, who think that all social and cultural problems have technical solutions and that techno science is uh, the most important thing that will replace all other ways of thinking, including religion and philosophy and everything will just go away and we'll just have shiny technology and perfectly articulated scientific theory and then we'll just be super happy. Well, we, I definitely don't agree with that idea, <laughs> right? Like this is, this is uh, pretty much one of the worst ideas that have come out of the scientific revolution. So, so I suppose that's what I have to say about that first part. And the second part is that people tend to, hmm, I don't know how I want to do this transition. I suppose I want to wait. Yeah, I suppose I want to wait. Um, I want to, I want to wait the, what I want to segue into is the idea that we can have like, so this idea that if we can, AI will help solve certain problems that I actually think are fundamentally non-technical problems in the, in the first place. And I think it's hard to draw that. It's really hard to get that. That's a, a more subtle discussion. So I think I'll wait, I'll wait to do that for a kind of a second part of this. This is running up close to 20 minutes. So that's good enough. Usually I do 30 when I do these, but I'll, in a second part, I'll explain what's wrong. I guess I'll go up to 20. So I won't just put filler in here. I'll tell you what I'm, I'll give you a preview. Um, so, right. So I have discussions on, on occasion and someone will say like, well, if we could just figure out a way to get rid of misinformation on the web and to stop the spread of malicious lies and conspiracy theories. And if we could just find a way that to get people to think, if we could just get people to be able to use their heads better, so much stuff would be solved so much, you know, that's the place, the world would be such a better place, but how do we get people to use their heads better? And what I've noticed is, is that like, that's a, that's a, an admirable idea on its face. But what I've noticed is, is that what almost, this is, this is one of the reasons I'm just so exasperated living in the United States circa 2021, like almost always what the person is saying, well, almost without exception, what the person is saying is if I could just get people to think the way I think, right? And so the first thing I want to do is kind of unravel all this and say, like, first of all, the idea of thinking correctly is a very, very big picture idea. And 
you know, certainly, certainly you can't cover it by in by this contentious, you know, fur and feathers, blood, fur and feathers fighting that goes on between the American right and the American left. Like that's not going to cover the idea of what we mean by thinking better, proper thinking. And so correcting the misinformation, correcting our information problem on the web is complicated. And the role of technology, new technology in helping that along is also complicated. And just educating people who think they're educated about the issues that we need to understand, just that is difficult, right? Like there's so a lot of, like for this podcast, for instance, and for maybe for some future book that right now is still an X, it's an unknown. But one of the things I want to do is just explain, like if I can just get people to be more intellectually humble in the sense that you know people on the people who somewhere i don't know like there are people like sam harris who right have these ideas like if we could just get people to come together and use their reason and just be rational if we could just get there's just so much irrationality going on in the world with religion and all these other ideas and it turns out that it's just irrational to believe anything that sam harris doesn't believe basically and that's not actually rational itself <laughs> right so right so it um just actually finding the Ar- archimedean point upon which to have the discussion about what's reasonable and here again one of the key things i'm going to do in the next recording is talk about the difference between rationality and reason reason is a big picture holistic idea rationality is getting the correct conclusion from your premises basically it's not saying something that's patently illogical and rationality is typically what scientists and people and there's certain sort of like the 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 new atheists like harris and there's this vague still vague and i need to sharpen this for the next podcast but like there's this certain group of people who are roughly intellectuals economists and so on and so forth and and they're obsessed with rationality and they just figure if they could just and but they think that the problem is is that people aren't rational that's not the problem actually it's the problem is that people aren't reasonable and you can be a catholic person and be reasonable you can be a conservative you can actually be a gun-toting bible-thumping person on the right who lives in mississippi and participate perfectly in being reasonable and so that's what i want to get out the door on the next podcast thanks for listening